Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But I'm looking at a picture that I took myself in Megiddo, and it is a Canaanite altar. And um, it's where they used to sacrifice um, human beings, babies, to the god of Molech and Ashtoreth and the Baals. And, and I'm looking at the altar. They unearthed it, and this is the altar, you know, where um, it's saying here right before us here in verse 27 that the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, you know, they didn't completely drive them out. And, and, and one of the reasons why they were supposed to drive them out is because of this. How can I ever say Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob discusses the incomplete conquest of the land by the nation of Israel. Welcome and thanks for joining us. At first, there were pockets of Canaanites that these tribes were unable to push out of the land. But when the tribes eventually grew strong enough, they compromised with those Canaanites and thought they could use them to their advantage. In the same way, as we grow in the Lord, we must not slack in dealing with areas of sin in our lives. We should never make peace treaties with our sin. Instead, be determined to drive them out. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's teaching. ...of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. Now again, this is not because God's hand was short, that he couldn't uh, deliver them. But again, um, you know... uh, uh, but it was because of their compromise and, and the rebellion, uh, they weren't completely able to, to drive them out. And we'll see when we get to chapter 2 that the angel of the Lord actually uh, rebukes the whole entire nation uh, because of this, because they didn't uh, finish the job to begin with. And now they're, they're dealing with the consequences of these things. We'll see that when we get to chapter 2. But verse 20, it says, And they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said, and then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak, which we read earlier in uh, in verse ten above, and uh, and again remember that uh, God had given the command to Moses uh, to give to Caleb uh, Hebron and that land surrounding that because of his faithfulness, because he was only one uh, one of two men that came back when they were first sent into the promised land. He and Joshua were the only two to bring back a good report. And God says, that man I want to bless, and I want to give him a land uh, for him. Uh, and, and so God, was, uh, God did that. Verse 21, But the children of Benjamin, they didn't drive out the, the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So in, in Jerusalem, before David took it, a few hundred years actually, probably four or five hundred years, before David finally took Jerusalem, Jerusalem was actually inhabited by Jebusites. Uh, that's why they call the name Je- Jabus, uh, the name of the city was formerly. 
So they did not drive out the inhabit uh, the inhabitants, the Jebusites, and so they dwell with Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. At the writing of this, uh, at the at the time of the writing of the book of Judges, the Jebusites were still living there, and so, and they were supposed to uh, drive out um, those inhabitants of the land. Um, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but I'd, I'd, I'd have you read. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 11, and it really talks about um, God's desire initially to have them drive out those inhabitants. But I will read to you, because it's a shorter passage, in Deuteronomy 20, verse 16 through 18. It says, But of the cities of those peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. And he lists the seven, the seven nations, the, Hitt- the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And why is that? Why did he want them to do that? Here's the reason, verse 18 of Deuteronomy 20. Lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. That was the reason. That's the reason he wanted them to, to, to drive them out completely. And again, they didn't do it. And, and you're going to see over and over again as we finish this chapter you're going to see the similar pattern. They didn't drive out the inhabitants. Asher didn't drive out the inhabitants. Naphtali didn't drive out the inhabitants of the land. And they were supposed to. When they first came into the land, they were supposed to do that, but they didn't do it. And so what's the application for us in that, uh, for, to, for us today? Well, I think it's fairly obvious uh, we're not to give an inch to our flesh. Don't give it an inch. Because you know as well as I do, whenever you give your flesh an inch, what is your flesh going to want to do? It's going to want to take another inch. It's going to want to take a foot. It's going to want to take a yard. It's going to want to take a mile. You give your flesh an inch, and it's going to want to take a mile. And there's always that compromise in there. And the, the exhortation really is for us, and Paul said it in Romans 13. He said, and do this. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, and I think in the time we're living right now, especially with what's going on in our country right now, in the world, it's really high time that we awake out of sleep. Awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. And here's the exhortation. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but notice verse 14. But here's what we're to do. We're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put him on like a garment. You know, the righteousness of the saints is that robe of righteousness that God wants to put around us. It's his righteousness, and he wraps that around us. And that's what we are to do. We are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so really that's the, um, the application for us in this part of the Scripture. But then notice what happens in verse 22. In the house of Joseph, we know the house of Joseph is Ephraim and Manasseh. They also went up against Bethel. And Bethel was just on the border of, of Ephraim and, and Benjamin, uh, just about 10 to 12 miles north of Jerusalem is this town of Bethel. And it says they went up. Uh, the house of Joseph went up to Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And so the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel, and the name of the city was formerly Luz.
And when they, the spies saw a young man coming out of the city, they said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city, and we will show you mercy. And so he showed them the entrance of the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and his family go. And, you know, I love this about the men of Israel. You know, even though they were warriors, even though God had told them to destroy um, it seems that um, God uh, allowed them to, to demonstrate mercy to this man because it actually helped them. Um, but it's interesting that they kept their word to the man. Whether they were right or wrong in making the promise to the man, they were honorable to their word. And, and, I, and I love that because it, it reminds me of in the book of Joshua when the two spies went into Jericho. And remember, they made the promise to Rahab that if you keep us safe here, you know, we will spare you when we come back to destroy the city. You know, just put the scarlet line outside the window and we'll know anybody in the house will be safe, but we can't guarantee anybody else outside of the house they're going to be destroyed. And so she did. You know, she kept that promise and they kept their promise. And I, and I love that, you know, the, 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 there was a time in our country when a man's word was his bond. I mean, a handshake could be shaken a word could be spoken. There wasn't any need for contracts. There wasn't any need for lawyers. Um, it was just something that um, you know men just did. And, and now we don't live in those days. Now everything has to be a contract and everything has to be in writing. And all the lawyers have to get out their little spectacles and look at the fine print. And it's just kind of an ugly thing that we've gotten ourselves into. But notice in verse 26, it says, The man went to the land of the Hittites, and he built a city, and he called its name Luz, where it is, uh, which is the name of it to this day. However, uh, notice in verse 27, really to the end of this chapter, we're going to see the incomplete conquest of the land. It says, However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshan and its villages. And we, were, uh, we got to see Bethshan when we were in Israel recently, and it's a really interesting city. Uh, but he goes on and he says, not only did they not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshan or Taanach and its villages or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages or the inhabitants of Iblaim and its villages or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages for the Canaanites were determined, they were determined to dwell in that land. And I have a picture right here before me and I'm really not prepared to show it to you because I'm not, I'm still getting used to this whole thing here. But I have the ability, I guess, to do that, but I'm not going to do it tonight. But I'm looking at a picture that I took myself in Megiddo, and it is a Canaanite altar. And um, it's where they used to sacrifice um, human beings, babies, to the god of Molech and Ashtoreth and the Baals. And, and I'm looking at the altar. They unearthed it, and this is the altar, you know, where um, it's saying here right before us here in verse 27 that the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, you know, they didn't completely drive them out. And, and, and one of the reasons why they were supposed to drive them out is because of this, because of this altar that they had erected. And I'm looking at a picture of it right now. I'd love to show it to you sometime. But it's where they used to do these kinds of wicked things. And God wanted to judge them for the hundreds of years that they were doing this. And yet they didn't drive out the inhabitants. So going on in verse 28, it says, And it came to pass... When Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites under tribute. And did you ever wonder where they got this idea of putting the Canaanites under tribute? In other words, making them slaves. Um, you know, in our, uh, in our country, in our world today, you know, when we talk about slavery, it has a connotation. 
to it and um, it's an ugly thing because of uh, things that happened early in our country's history uh, with African-American slaves and the, poor, the way that they were brutalized, some, many of them. Some were treated well, but um, we hear the horror stories of plantation owners who, who, who beat them and killed them and treated them less than human. But instead of killing these uh, Canaanites, what they would do is they would just make them slaves. They would just make them do things for them. And, but they notice in verse 28, but they did not completely drive them out. They didn't completely drive them out. And they were supposed to. God told them to do it. Again, you're going to hear this over and over again. And it sounds like a broken record, but I think there's something here for us to learn. And that is, don't kick the can down the road. When God tells you to do something, do it with all of your heart and do it to completion. Don't just do it halfway. Do it you know, I've heard the saying that if, if if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And especially if God told you to do it, you'd better do it with all of your heart. Do it with everything you've got, with every resource, with all your strength. You know, that's why I love to give the work of the Lord my first strength. You know, even in studying uh, the Bible, um, I love to do that when I'm at my freshest. You know, I really enjoy that. But there is a human tendency... Uh, Notice it says uh, in verse 28, And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but they did not completely drive them out. Now that's kind of interesting because if they are strong, then what they should have done is finish the job, right? (laughs) But it says here that when they were strong, instead of driving them out, they thought better of it and thought, you know, these guys are really convenient. Hey, go get me a Pepsi. Hey, go get me, uh, go fetch a fire, go get a fire going, right? And so they would have to do that. And and um, but we never must, we never should rest on our laurels, on our past achievements. And and that's kind of what they're doing. They're just kind of enjoying the good life and kind of resting on their lees, resting on their laurels, so to speak. And um, and it just is not supposed to be. And so when they were strong, they should have completed the job, but they didn't. But where did they learn this idea? You know, uh, let me just read to you uh, uh, just a few verses from Joshua chapter 9 as we getting close to the end here. You remember when um, Joshua, when they were going to conquer the southern uh, part of the, of the area of, of uh, Canaan, when they first came into the land, uh, one of the cities in the south that they were going to come against was Gibeon. And uh, Gabeon was what they call a royal city. It was a a substantial city, a very big city. And the men of that city uh, came and they they deceived the men of Israel, saying that they they had come from a long country, you know, come from a long distance, and they feigned to have old shoes and moldy bread when they really, they were just probably 30, 40, 50 miles away or something. I don't know the exact mileage. But they weren't that far away, and they deceived the men of Israel, and they made a covenant with them. And so, therefore, the the men of Israel kept their word. And instead of uh, killing them like God had told them to do, to destroy them because of their idolatry, uh, they made them uh, uh, fetchers of water and hewers of wood. (laughs) So they put them to work in helping them with the uh, things of the temple, you know, fetching water and chopping up wood for the sacrifices and everything else. And so I believe this is where we get, you know, when we see these um, tribes now as they're coming into 
the land and uh, instead of driving out the enemy, what are they doing? They're putting them under tribute and they learn that, I believe, all the way back from Joshua chapter 9 because whenever there's a precedent set, it's always very hard to break that precedent and we certainly see that here. Look at verse 29. It says, Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelled in Gezer. So the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalal. So the Canaanites dwelt among them, and notice, and they were put under tribute. Again, they were made slaves, and certainly they learned that from Joshua chapter 9, what the children of Israel did with the Gibeonites. In verse 31, And Asher, nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Acho, or the inhabitants of Sidon, or of Ahlab, or Aksib, or Helba, Aphic, or Rahab. So the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites. And what a sad commentary, really. That's why this book could have been called the Book of Failure, because you know they didn't uh, completely do what they were supposed to do. And so... They dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Notice it doesn't say that they could not. It's that they did not drive them out. There's a difference, and you know this. You know, if you cannot, that's something, you know, uh, that's one thing. But when you do not, that's an act of the will, isn't it? It's, It's something that I can do, that God has enabled me to do, that he's told me to do. And so the commandment is there, and so along with the commandment is the enablement. But when I choose to do something else, and I'm no longer walking in faith. I'm no longer walking in obedience. And so that's what they did. They didn't drive them out. Verse 33, Nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath, but they dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath, again, were put under tribute to them. <laughs> it works really well. And isn't it funny that once one person does it, you know, it's like sheep. You know, the Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. And one thing about sheep is when uh, they're very um, uh, domicile, I think is the, the word for it. And, and they're very, um, they're, they're very, uh, they, they go in, in, in packs. They, they don't like to, except for the sheep that's curious, he might go off by himself. But for the most part, they, they stayed with each other. But they look at what another sheep is doing, and, and they'll do the same thing. All it takes is one, and we're like that. You know, when we see somebody doing something, and by God's grace, they're getting away with it, and we're thinking, well, I can do that too. You know, but the thing is, the thing we have to remember is that God deals with us as individuals, and what He may allow in somebody else's life and give them the grace to do, um, and just because He hasn't brought judgment upon that person then, you know, it doesn't give us the right to say, well, I should be able to do that too. And because when we do that, um, we're, we're completely different. And, and God may come down hard on you at that time because we're not, we're, we're not, it's not cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter relationship. Everything is an individual. And God knows what He's got to do in each of us. So it's really good for us not to be looking at other people um, and sizing ourselves up. It's, it's, it's important for us to look at Jesus Christ. He is the prototype. He is the, 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 the model that we are to look at. He's the only perfect model. And if we look on this plane and we just look at each other, we're going to be discouraged and um, it's not going to be good. The end of it's not going to be good. So verse 34, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. And we'll see later on that the tribe of Dan, which is really over on the coast uh, in the center part of the, of the, of the uh, land of Canaan, 
they actually uh, end up going way north and, and having a settlement up there in the tribe of Dan. And you remember that that is where uh, Jeroboam had his altars of, uh, of idolatry, one in Bethel and one in Dan in the north. And then verse 35, it says, And the Amorites were determined, notice, to dwell in Mount Heres and Ajalon and in Sheol Baim. Yet when the strength of the house of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. And so, again, we see the unfortunate thing happening. And now, verse 36, and we'll finish here. Now the boundary of the Amorites was from the ascent of Akribim, from Selah, and upward, and upward. And so we're going to finish there uh, tonight, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things we can certainly learn uh, in this, and, and, and that is, you know, to, to be careful what we do. And again, as uh, we grow in grace, as we learn, um, it's important for us to remember that people are watching us, you know, younger people. My daughter is watching me. She's watching how I am and how I deal with people, how I deal with events. And, and, uh, and all of us have uh, kids and grandkids, and, and, and they're watching. They're watching us. And so let's be the best examples because the last thing we want to do is, is to do something in weakness or out of rebellion and and then what happens? Just like the children of Israel, we read tonight, they, they they see these things from the past and they think, well, we can do them, and so they do, and and it and it brings forth a, a harvest of weeds instead of good fruit, and God wants us to be fruitful, right? He wants us to be fruitful and and to be more fruitful as we go forward, and so uh, let's pray, and uh, next week we will get into. Uh, chapter 2 and perhaps chapter 3 of, of Judges. And so uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the book of Judges. And Lord, as, um, as we just see the, um, the difficulties, Lord, that the children of Israel uh, were going through, Lord, how they would find themselves in, in a mess, Lord, and, and crying out to you, and then you raising up a deliverer to deliver them. And then, Father, having them go right back to it again. Lord, we find ourselves uh, nationally right now in the same place, Lord. We, we've been wounded, in a sense, because of, of, of this coronavirus, Lord. It really brought everything to a standstill. It's, uh, it's hurting, uh, hurting many people in many different ways, and not just physically, but just economically. Uh, Father, how we pray that you would get our attention again, Father, and may we not be like uh, the children of Israel, Lord, who are just in rebellion and not uh, not giving themselves completely to you, Lord. Help us right now, Lord, to, to to see this time that we have in history in our country, Lord, to for the church to rise, to rise up, Lord, to be strong, uh, Lord, to be examples, Lord, to be ambassadors, Lord, to family and to friends, to kids and to grandkids. Father, to unbelievers all around us, Lord, may they see us trusting in you and not freaking out and um, and, and, and causing, um, bringing shame to your name in any way. Lord, um, help us to, to draw near to you, Father, and really get serious with you, Lord, and repent of anything that we've done, Lord, that has brought um, uh, the, the sin in our own lives, God. Help us to be so aware of it and to be quick to repent and to turn from it, Lord and to have you heal us, Lord. 
And so, Lord, we ask you for your help and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.